First Timothy chapter two, verse one. <clears throat> There's a bunch of ones there. All right. Chapter two, verse one. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Father, we thank you once again for the time that we have here to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things that we um, might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, what we've been doing for, for quite some time is we've been working on some things to get some stuff ready for new folks as far as people that's just trusted Christ, right? And we've been going through all that stuff. We went through the evangelism training issue. Um, hopefully, you all still have all that information. I noticed uh, you still got your card over here, so that's good. Um, so hopefully, you all still have that all that information. If you don't, let me know, and we can get copies of it for you, all right? The goal, remember, is we want to be able to go out in our respective communities to present the gospel, right? That is the goal, the purpose of it. It's not, it's not about getting church attendance up. The goal about it is to what? See soul saved, right? That's the purpose of it. Now, obviously, if you've got folks that's in, that, in your neighborhood, specifically in this area here, and as I've said before, it would be fantastic that we could start something in Richmond and Danville and Lawrenceburg, Lexington, you know, even over in Inez, wherever you come from, it would be fantastic if, if, if we're able to do something in each of the cities respective to where we come from. But that's the goal is to be able to get the gospel out, right? That was the purpose of going through all that stuff, the purpose of creating our farm, if you will, to be able to present that gospel to people that we know need that gospel and so as we look here what we notice is in verse four you have the will of god for man today and that is to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth that's it what is god's will for people today it's not about what car you drive, what person you marry, what person you don't marry, what house you purchase. It doesn't matter the location of where we meet. None of that stuff is like, we're not going to ask God, should we go meet at this place or go meet here or wherever? What we have to be able to do is once we come into the knowledge of the truth, we use the discernment that we get from God's knowledge and his understanding, his wisdom. We use that discernment to be able to think through issues and make decisions on our own based on the scripture that we have stored up in us, right? And that's, that's that next goal of coming unto the knowledge of the truth, to make decisions based on information, not, you know, well, God's going to point in the right direction. But what we see here is in verse three says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who will have all men to be saved. That's his purpose. That's his will. Now, I listened to a guy on the radio coming in out of Lexington, and the way he would read that is God has chosen certain people to be saved and chosen certain people not to be saved, right? And, of course, that's a big issue here in Frankfurt is Calvinism. It's huge. Two biggest Baptist churches in town are Calvinist churches. Um. And you start getting into that stuff and you're like, <clears throat> that what they have a problem with there is says, who will have all men to be saved? If if it's God's will that all men be saved, then who's going to be saved? All. If 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 his will was I'm going to I'm going to overpower everybody's will, do you know what that verse right there tells us? It's not that he's chosen some to go to hell. Because that verse says his will is that all men be saved. So if God's will is completely and totally that, then we look at that verse and say, well, there's something wrong with the verse or there's something wrong with the theology that we hear, right? And of course, the answer is always, there's something wrong with the theology, not the verses, right? 
And that's one of those things that we want to be able to talk about. So we've gone through and talked about salvation. It's a personal choice where you take and place your trust in what Christ has done at the cross. That he paid for your penalty. He paid your sin debt. He died as you on that cross. You trust that and that alone. His death, his burial, and his resurrection, the fact that he rose again from the third, on the third day from that grave, that is proof that you have justification. We see that in Romans chapter 4. Now, as we look at this, the salvation was first and foremost, because if you don't have that, then you're not going to come to the knowledge of the truth. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and so then what we've gone from there is, well, let's create some, some booklets or whatever based on information that we wish we would have known right off the bat and so I think we're at a really good point on those things and so then what I want to do is kind of work off of that idea and be able to to look at some things now when you look at that verse right there verse 4 it says who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the what truth now we also know if you go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 we all know what we're supposed to do with this thing that's called truth, right? So 2 Timothy chapter 2, this is a verse that we all um, know and love and appreciate, memorize, and we could quote at the drop of a hat, hopefully. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the what? word of truth so there is a word of truth that goes along with the truth that God wants us to come unto the knowledge of right so what he's done is he's saying if my if my goal is for you to be saved I'm going to do something to make it possible for you to be saved that's the cross well if I'm expected to come unto the knowledge of the truth then what he's going to do is he's going to give me the truth that I can find out that he wants me to come unto now, how do we do that? Well, he tells us right here, it's what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. This may have been a bad idea. Anyway. <clears throat> All right. So there's a truth that we have to rightly divide, right? And that's that issue that I want us to make sure that we see. Now, huh? No, what you got? Yeah, no, it's fine. So that's where we're going to go. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> because this is, this, is, this is part of it, right? How is it that you're saved is because there's some truth that we can know about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Not just that, but also there's a truth that we know about ourselves that we can't, we can't save ourselves. God says you're not going to be justified by works at all. Romans chapter 4 lays that out fabulously for us he tells us this is what abraham found out about the about the flesh is the flesh can't produce what god wants to produce now ephesians chapter one. Oh, it's all your fault don't worry about that <laughs> is how cold is it outside <clears throat> well, they're kids. They'll get over it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. Notice here, <clears throat> notice here in verse, um, let's start off, let's start off here in verse, verse 11. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> In whom, talking about Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That, here's a purpose of what he's doing, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, whose glory is that? It's God's. God the Father. Notice that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also ye trusted, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. There's that issue of that truth again, right? 
Notice, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Now, what we see here is there's this issue of there's truth that we want to make sure that God says, I want you to be saved by this truth. I want you to live by this truth. And I want you to come into the knowledge of that truth. Now, that brings us down to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, there's a bunch of things here that's really, really quite interesting. Um, The more you get into it, the more you dive into it. But 2 Timothy chapter 3. Start here in verse... um, Verse 14, this is right on the heels of Paul telling Timothy, he says, you know everything about me. Look at verse 10. He says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Well, what are the things that thou hast learned? He fully knew Paul's doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecution, and affliction. He's saying continue in those things. Continue in that doctrine. right? And you'll see this as we go through. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which was able, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What is it that saves people today? Right there, it's the scriptures. The verses are the ones that's doing the work. Right? And we've said before, let God's word do God's work. When God says that the Holy Scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, it's the Scriptures that are doing it. So when we go out and present the information, it's not about us. The moment we make it about us, the problem is we're the problem. We got to make sure, and that's why we've always said, based on the authority of the Scriptures, can I show you, based on the authority of the Scriptures, that you can have eternal life? And that you can't lose it because eternal means eternal, right? And you go through those things, you're always going to make sure that the scriptures are the issue. Now, the, the salvation that he's talking about here isn't talking about the initial salvation. Because he's talking to Timothy. By the way, is Timothy saved? He's been saved for quite some time by the time Paul writes 2 Timothy. So the salvation that he's talking about is not salvation from death penalty of sin, but the salvation from what? The same stuff that, that Paul's been going through. All that deception, all the deceiving. Notice there, verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Do you know how to not be deceived in the dispensation of the grace of God is by the Holy Scriptures saving you from that deception that's the salvation he's talking about in the passage that's the context of it because he's already talking to a saved person saying the salvation that you're going to have timothy from from the scriptures is the the salvation from being deceived the truth allowing the truth to be the issue now there's a whole bunch of other stuff in this as well but notice here verse 16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? What's the purpose of it? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When, when you take a look at, hold your place there, go to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> I 
Romans chapter 12. On your way there, stop at Ephesians chapter 2. So Ephesians 2 and Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> There's, there, there is an issue that comes out from this that I hope, I hope that we can see. <clears throat> Romans, Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 2. Notice here, let's do Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. <clears throat> For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. By the way, what's the gift there in the context? Faith? Nope. Grace? Nope. Salvation. How is it that you get this gift of salvation is what? By grace. And how do you receive it is through faith. Believing what? The scriptures. Right? Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we, notice that, underline it, star it, should walk in them. Does that mean you're always going to? No. But what that word should gives is, a, is it's an issue of what? You have a choice to do this or not. You want to walk in good works? Don't we all want to? We all want to. The verse says we should. So then that tells me two things. That means it's possible. And the way that we do that is by believing what, what, what he tells us. Now, Romans chapter 12. And again, like I said, there's this issue that I want us to make sure that we keep in mind as we move forward. Um, grace is more than just salvation. Grace is more than just a dispensation. Grace is all the things that God's able to do for you because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And oftentimes I've said grace is almost easier to define by saying what it's not. Because there's so much that goes into grace. Works, not grace. Law, not grace. Everything else, <laughs> grace. The fact that the fact that we have eternal life, grace. The fact that we have forgiveness of sins, grace. The fact that we are sanctified, grace. The fact that we're justified, grace. You know, you go through all this stuff and you're like, you know, we could be here for a long period of time. In fact, the church has talked about grace for 2,000 years and we still don't know it all yet. <laughs> But notice here in Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> there's a connection to not just salvation from hell, but also just life in general, which is what Paul's dealing with Timothy over there. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't you think it's reasonable to say, God, you've saved me by your grace, and I'm still here, and I can, and you're wanting to put your life on display through my body, and isn't it reasonable just to say, I'm going to let your word do what it's supposed to do, and kind of get out of the way. You know, you think about, you think about the fact he's talking about a living sacrifice. Does our body belong to us the moment we're saved? bought with a price we're bought with a price we no longer belong to ourselves if you think of it that way he purchased us through his death burial, and resurrection and he says it's a reasonable service to do that and the idea there we've gone through this issue of looking at what's it mean to be a servant and stuff like that and being a servant is saying i'm going to say i want to choose based on the authority of the scriptures to say, I'm going to allow God's word to use my body to glorify him. I willingly do so at all costs. And that's that issue. Notice here in verse 2, how is that going to be, you know, what's, what's, what are we going to do from there? And 
add on to that, be not conformed to this world. That's the tough one, right? <laughs> to not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. How? By doing a bunch of good stuff. No. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. That ye, here's the purpose of it, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that God's given you a specific amount of faith and you go work based off of that. The measure of faith is, here's the measuring stick, it's Christ. He's given you the opportunity to do, allow his word to work through you. And he says, by the way, here's Paul, your pattern as well. Here's the measure. Here's what you can go do with it. Allow his word to work in and through you to do that. And the whole issue there is what? Not to think high, more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Well, what was Christ's thought process in his life was what? I know I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to give up my body to save a whole bunch of people. Now, can we save people? No. But can we give up our body for the gospel that does save people? Yeah. How do we do that? It's based on truth, right? Same way, same way that we see back over here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 17. There are some works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And that tells me that we can do that. And how do we do that? Verse 17, that the purpose of having all scripture given by inspiration of God. So we're going to look at some things here um, as we go through this. But I want us to think about I want us to think about what's going on. The purpose of God inspiring His Word and preserving His Word and presenting doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. The purpose of it is that what that the man of God may be perfect. The idea there is to be mature to be complete and he tells us that that's exactly what it is thoroughly furnished unto all good works so then where do we get the ability to perform those works is this book the scriptures the moment that we try to do things ourselves that's when it becomes a problem now let's take it let's take a look at a few things real quick <clears throat> if if there's one moment in time where God says, you can look at this, and that's what I'm going to save you by, which he does. He looks at the cross and says, Jesus Christ is a fully satisfying payment. I accept what he did. I believe, I believe what the son did on the cross satisfies my justice. So then if he expects us to come into the knowledge of the truth, doesn't it stand a reason that there's a way to have the truth to come unto? The answer is yes. And this verse, these, these two verses right here are telling us this is, what, this is how he did it. So what I want us to do is look at a few things um, as, as we go through this. Go real quick to Hebrews chapter 1. So there's, there's an issue... There's an issue of revelation to begin with. And again, I want us to keep all these things in mind, especially as we go through this stuff. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, what's that next word? Spake. Well, what did he speak? Words, right? So if we look at this, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers, how? By the prophets. So the way that he's, the way he's revealing himself is he spoke to prophets and then prophets would turn around and tell the people, 
This is what God spoke, right? We're not going to go all the way back there, but you go back to you go back to Hebrew. Uh, well, when you go back to to Exodus, Moses asked God, "How are they supposed to know that you're the one that sent me? How how are they supposed to know that that the I am is the one that sent me?" And he gives him some signs. And those signs are supposed to do what? Back up what he spoke. So the issue that I want us to be able to see is what? There's an issue of God revealing himself to mankind through him speaking. Now, again, as elementary as it is, he spoke words. What was it that the people that the prophets went to, what were they supposed to believe was what? The words. Jesus Christ says, thy word is truth, right? The words that he speak are pure words. Fire, tribes, you know, all that. We know those things. His words are spirit and life. And again, the issue there is those, those words that are spoken contain his life. They're not just black and white, printed off. There's, a, there's, a, there's something behind those words. We're right here in Ephesians, or Hebrews. Go to chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, when we talk about these words, the whole collection is what we see here. He says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That idea of the word is quick is that's the issue of it's alive. So then when, when he says, thy word is spirit and life, it's because it's his life that's in it. And it's interesting, what is this, what is the word of God able to do? Piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. One of the things that we've talked about before over in 1 Thessalonians, we've, we've done this before. God says you are spirit, soul, and body. And what that word of God can do, it can discern between those two things right there. You can't do that for me. All I see are bodies, and the reason that you're able to hear me and the reason I'm able to hear you is because our spirits are able to speak to one another. But I can't look at you and see your soul. But the Word of God can differentiate between those two because it's His life, right? So when we think about this, notice, piercing, even dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as the discerner, of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's a very sobering verse if you think about what that's saying about this Bible. That this that the scripture here is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. No other book in, in, in history reads you while you read it. It's a sobering thought. The word of God can discern your thoughts and the purpose, the intents of your heart. If you want to come and go about it the wrong way, the book knows why you're doing it. The verses, the words, words that he spake, right? Verse 13 
Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now you stop and you think about that. The words themselves are very important. Now, let's go take a look at a few things real quick. Um, I don't want to go through all of this, but there's different types of revelation. You look out in the world, Romans chapter 1 tells us what? When you look at creation, you know that God exists because you look at creation and you notice that. And like I've said before, in order for you to say that God doesn't exist, you have to deny something that he put in you to say that. Now, there's that natural revelation where you can look out at the creation and know that God exists. There's special revelations that we see throughout scriptures. Go to John chapter 20. But there's another one that I want us to make sure that we see as well. So you've got special revelations. One is Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 and 2. We find out that the gospel that, that Paul was receiving, he received by revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a special revelation. Nobody else in scripture, by the way, nobody else since that time has ever gotten a revelation from God or Jesus Christ, ever. No church fathers ever have. Grandma didn't. I know she said she did, but she didn't, right? Huh? No, no. Mom didn't either. John chapter 20, another revelation that we notice here, John chapter 20, verse 30. John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Why? That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now, of course, we understand where we are in context of the verses here. But the key issue that I want us to see is there are things that Jesus Christ didn't do or did but was not recorded. But there are ones that are recorded and there's a purpose for them to be recorded. So that what? That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The words that God spoke, he had them written down for a reason. Specifically, the things that Jesus Christ did was that the nation of Israel could look at it and say, He is the Christ. Right? Because the words are the issue. Always have been, always will be. Now, we look at that other issue of inspiration. With inspiration, that's that issue of the fact that... Go real quick. Get Acts chapter 9. Get Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> that, that issue of inspiration. <clears throat> what I want you to think about that is, is this right here. Notice in, in Acts chapter 9 verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. Now, that issue of inspiration is breathing out. So when you go back and you look, inspiration is God breathed. What is it that he's breathing? When you speak, how do you speak? When you speak, you're breathing out. What's Paul doing here? He's breathing out threatenings. What's he doing? He's speaking threatenings. And slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and all that stuff. That issue of, of when God spoke words that's him breathing out the words the words came out you go back to genesis chapter one when the holy spirit's moving upon the face of the waters and and, and it says and god said let there be light the reason there was light is because of what his words spoke it that, that's that when he said, let there be light. 
He's breathing out the words. That's that issue of inspiration. Notice here, 2 Peter chapter 1. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> when, we, when we start thinking about God spake some words, he reveals himself three different ways, natural, special, and then written. But this issue of inspiration is him speaking it out. But notice, notice this. There's, there's another issue that we want to make sure that we see. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's start off in verse 15. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Of course, we understand where we are here with Peter. Verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Well, how is it that you're going to be able to have all these in remembrance? Verse 16, the purpose of it is what? For we have followed, not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were I, but were I witnesses of his majesty. What's well, that back in Matthew chapter 17? For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now, what Peter's doing is saying, We were eyewitnesses to the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, and we heard God say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Peter's saying, After my decease... I want you to have all these things in remembrance, which seeing things is one way to remember it, but a better way to do that is what, what happens to our memory? <laughs> it fades as you go along. It changes, right? But there's, an, there's something more important. Notice in verse 19. But we have also a more sure word of prophecy. So, is what they saw sure? Yes. But he's saying we have a more sure word of prophecy, wherein ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Now, if you want to look up something, that issue of day star, you get a new Bible, you go find out day star. Day star there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 is the Lord Jesus Christ. You got a new Bible, it takes you back, it makes it Satan. Think about that for a second. Isaiah 14, 12. It'll do it. Changes it. Calls him the day star. Problem with that is you get over here to 2 Peter chapter 1, you're like, well, who's the day star? Well, the day star here is Jesus Christ. The day star that you find back in, in, in Isaiah 14, it doesn't say day star. New Bibles translate it and they change it. To make him the same as Christ. Mm -hmm. They do the same thing with Morningstar. But you take a look at those things. It's important to know, right? Verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any, of any private interpretations. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God, what? So that's this issue of up here. God spoke words to people and people did what they wrote them down and peter's saying we saw some stuff but you have something that's better because this never changes my memory goes my memory fades but the words never change wrote i was trying to do it sideways all right. Okay. Just it, it, anybody else wants to come up and do this and write stuff, by all means. Until then, shh. No, I'm just joking. Hey, I'm working on it. Man. No respect, I tell you. But here's the thing, right? What's the issue? It's not what is, what is written down 
are the words that God spoke. And what Peter is saying is, even though we witness stuff, if it doesn't line up with this, what we witnessed is wrong. And then he goes on to say, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, we can't take one verse and say, pluck, this is what it means. We can't do that. A verse cannot stand by itself. A verse without a context is a pretext. And you can't create a doctrine. I said it, I said it last week. Don't get your doctrine from Facebook. Don't get your doctrine from memes and don't get your doctrine from a verse taken out of scripture. Calvinist stuff that we're talking about earlier, that's how you take, you take a verse out of scripture and you can prove anything you want. But remember, this book knows why you're there. Because the, the, the words on the page matter. Now, <clears throat> go to first, first Corinthians chapter 2. I'm just not going to write anymore. No. You know I will. Yeah. No, you're fine. We're getting there. We're getting there. Sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's as fine as the frog hair split four ways, too. So there you go. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 2. I know. Illumination. Thanks. Appreciate that. I'll frame that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. This, this verse, the way it's used, is one of my biggest pet peeves because this verse is misused and abused because it's plucked out and just read and then it's just left alone. Verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen, and he's, he's quoting Isaiah 64, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What's that verse say? God's got some stuff that he wants to do for you, but he's not told you about it yet. Right? Is that true? In Isaiah 64, it is. Notice verse 10. What's that first word? But. So something different is about to be said. But God hath revealed them unto us. What's the them? The things that he's prepared for us. He's revealed them unto us. That's this issue up here. How did he reveal them unto us? For the Spirit speaketh, or the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we, re we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Question. The things that God hath prepared for you, in verse 9, do you now know what those things are? Yes. Why? Because you've got some verses that are written down that God's put on pieces of paper that we can actually come in and learn from. Now, how does that work? <clears throat> Verse 13. Which things also we speak. Notice that word, also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual well the holy spirit takes the things that are written god's words and do you know what he does with them he takes that those spiritual things that's the word there that he's talking about 
He's taking those things, the word, and he's comparing that to the things that you've stored up here. Now, we've gone through this before. As I said, your spirit, soul, body. You take God's word in, you learn some stuff. Is that good to learn stuff? Fantastic. As we've said before, you can't teach what you don't know. You can't live what you don't know. The whole thing with the Christian life is God desires that you be able to live based on his knowledge. So what happens is we know some stuff, but then when we actually believe it and trust in it, we move it from this part in our body to this part in our body. And then this part of the body or this part says, Body, go and do the things that you should do, the good works, based on what? The information that we know, the information that we believe. The Holy Spirit does what? The Holy Spirit takes the words and says, is that what you've got matched up there? Years ago, I would, I would read that verse as the Holy Spirit compares spiritual things with spiritual things. Problem is, it doesn't have things on the second spiritual I would use that verse to say that teaches you to compare verse with verse that's not what it says that's a that's a job that the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit comes along and says there's this book and I want to see if that's what's matched up to what's inside he's comparing the spiritual things the word with the spiritual you and how do you know that's a spiritual person you verse 14 but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Do you know what that means? An, an unsaved person can't get this book. That's why they read it and say, it doesn't make sense to me. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. There's that word spiritual again, right? Judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have what? The mind of Christ. Where do you find the mind of Christ? That right there. Holy Spirit does what? Takes what's in that book and start storing it up when you believe it. Start storing it up. And he's comparing what you've got stored up in you. Does that match the words? And it's he, that's a, that's a job of the spirit. He teaches us comparing those spiritual things with what we've got stored up in us. Now, last part. We'll do this very quickly. Now, this stuff, this stuff go together. Illumination, so you ask, where is this tying in, right? How do we get saved? By trusting the words. How do we live? By trusting the words, right? So our whole goal is get people saved. And the second part is to what? Bring them unto the knowledge of the truth. That's the purpose of doing the booklets and all that stuff, right? If we want to bring them to the knowledge of the truth, we've got to know that there is truth to go to, right? And so that, that's kind of that issue of we want to make sure we see where is the truth. Well, we've got it. <clears throat> um, we read it earlier. Let's go there real quick. We'll finish up here, and we'll connect all this. Psalm chapter 12 ones we've looked at before. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 12. Notice, we'll just start here at verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, 
the silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Who did the revelation? God revealed himself to man, right? And then the Holy Spirit through men wrote down. The Holy Spirit through men teach. And then who's preserving? You notice we're not part of all that. <laughs> we're the recipients of all this. And so then when we take a look at these things, it's saying, Thou shalt preserve them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them. Shall what? Preserve them from this generation forever. Now, how does he do this? Through us. He had to reveal himself to us. He writes down his word for us. And his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, illuminates that what what's written down in us. And then we're part of the group of people to preserve stuff. He's going to do it. How's he going to do it? This is how he's going to work. Now, again, to tie that back into what you're talking about, our goal is we want to be able to go and present a gospel to people that comes from this. And we want to go and present a life that comes from this. Right? Is there truth? We have it. The truth that people need to come unto is the scriptures. This is how we got that, right? Does that kind of make sense how it connects? Okay. So again, we're going to, again, we'll move off a little bit more on that stuff as well. But <clears throat> I told you all last week, don't get used to getting done 40 minutes. But <clears throat> huh? Yeah. But what I want us to be able to see is this is the creation and the transmission of God's word. This is why we're here, right? We're not here for good times. Good times can be had because of this. Life can be had because of this. So this is the, the thing that I want us to be able to see is the, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing it for a book. We're doing it for the creator of the book. We're really doing it for the one that created the heaven and the earth. It's his power. It's his word. It's his work. Let's let him do what he's what he's designed it to do. All right. Um, questions, comments, concerns. There's so much more I wanted to get. That's okay. We'll continue on next week.